0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to, again, go on to uh, preach on the same theme that we started a couple of weeks ago, and that is the authority that's in the name of Jesus. And in verse number 18 of the 28th chapter, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Now, the age he was talking about here was the church age. He said, I will be with you to the end of the age. Well, that means then his instruction to go about teaching all of the nations to observe all the things that he had commanded them. That commandment, that we call it the Great Commission, it's still in effect, isn't it? Amen. You can say Amen this morning. Won't hurt my feelings. Glory to God. Amen. And uh, and so I want to to recap some things that we've said. Not because, uh, well, one reason we have visitors. Maybe it's there's new information that people need to hear. But I know this that just hearing something, and it registering on you uh, mentally. And intellectually, and you know and comprehend what's being said is one thing, but having it register on your heart, down in your inner man, like the apostle Paul, he said, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. This is talking about your spiritual understanding. And so I go over these things, not because I don't have anything else to say or to fill up time. I go over these things because I want them to take root in your life. I want it to go off on the inside of you. I want it to be alive and to see uh, the importance and to see how revolutionary, how life-changing, how destiny-changing, how, how it affects your future, how the things that we're talking about this morning really impact your walk with God and your walk in this life. How you go about your daily life life your daily affairs what you do how you interact with people how you lay hold of the promises of God and how you walk in the fullness of everything that's available to you we can only walk in the fullness of what God has for us when we see it with our spiritual eyes when well like I say when it goes off what do I mean by that when it becomes revolu- uh, revelation to you. Remember the story of the two disciples after Jesus was raised from the dead on the road to Emmaus. He, he, he came up upon these disciples and they were talking about, about the things that had happened there in Jerusalem. And, and, and they knew about the Messiah. They knew that Jesus was uh, reportedly the one who was supposed to come, the Messiah. And it said they were discussing these things and they were sad. See, it's one thing to know the truth But if it's not real to you, it won't change your life. They were discussing these things and they said, and this is now the third day. Now it doesn't in the text go, this is in the Gospel of Luke. It doesn't go on and explain that. Uh, But what did they mean when they said all of the things that had happened in Jerusalem and how he was crucified and this is now the third day? They were pointing out the fact that they had heard him say something was going to happen on the third day he was coming back. Or else what did that mean? Why did they bring it up? Amen. That's the only thing related to the third day. And they said this is the third day. And Jesus walked alongside them and began to talk to them. And he began to, the Bible says, he began to to unveil and unfold the scriptures to them. And then suddenly, after they had gone into the house and were eating, it said suddenly their eyes were opened and they knew who he was. And then he vanished out of their sight. And then they said something to each other. They said, when we were walking on the road and he was talking to us and he was bringing the word of God, he said, Didn't our hearts, our spirits burn within us? What is that? That's revelation knowledge. That's the word of God going off. I call it a word explosion. When you're you're reading the Bible and it's it's words, maybe you've read a hundred times and you know basically the theology involved, you know what it means, and suddenly, woo! it goes off on the inside and you see how it impacts your life right now, how you can act on it right now, how to make things different right now and it burns on the inside of you. Uh, That's an exhilarating fire that grows on the inside of you when the word of God goes off. We have to have that every day. You said amen, but do you have it? We have to have it every day. If you don't have it every day, you're living on stale manna. Didn't get as many, you're not as excited as you were just a minute ago. If you're not getting fresh revelation and, you, and it's not alive on the inside of you, you're eating stale bread, brother. I'm telling you, you can read your Bible and it can be stale to you and you can understand it and know what it means and you can explain it to somebody, but it's not you're not acting on it because it's not real. It's not producing results because it's not alive and fresh. Amen. Glory to God. That's what revelation knowledge is. It's a fresh understanding of the word of God. And so I go over, I said all that to say this, I go over these things because I'm sure in my life there are yet some things that I've not uncovered, that I've not uh, unearthed. I'm sure there are some things that are deeper yet than what I've seen. And I'm determined to draw it out, glory to God. And I know if that's true where I'm concerned, it's, it's true where you're concerned as well. Amen. These things are deeper than anything we can can lay hold of with our natural mind. Remember what it said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2? It says the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God and it says neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. That simply means the natural mind is not capable just on, on that level, in that realm, the mental realm, your natural mind is not capable of seeing what your spirit can see. Amen. It's only whenever you're enlightened on the inside and, it, and and your spirit, man, lays hold of it that it begins to flow up into your mind and begins to teach and educate your, your natural mind. Amen. And that's what I want the Word of God to do for you. Amen. Jesus said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now the authority he was talking about was authority in two realms. The realm of heaven and the realm of the earth. And he said all authority has been given to me in both of those realms, in heaven and on earth. Now the authority on the earth that he was referring to was the same authority God gave Adam in Genesis chapter one. Adam and Eve, he created them and the Bible says that he blessed them and sent them out and told them to exercise dominion over all the earth. You can see it in Genesis chapter one. You can see it in in Psalm the eighth chapter. You can see it in Hebrews chapter two. It says that he put all things under man's feet on the earth that is precisely the authority that Jesus is talking about the reason I say that is because god gave this authority god gave authority over the earth to adam he's never taken that back you can't find anybody anywhere in the scripture where god ever took that back it's never been rescinded that means it was man's authority Through Adam, it passed down to his descendants, to mankind. But then, Satan came on the scene at the very outset, before it had time to even pass to another generation. Satan came on the scene and deceived Eve. And she gave the forbidden fruit to her husband and they ate of the forbidden fruit, and their eyes were opened, and they sinned. And they fell from that place that God had given them. And they fell from that place of authority, and the authority that, he, that God gave Adam was turned over to the devil. Now, we know that because when Satan tempted Jesus, he said he took him up on a, on a high mountain And it it said he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to Jesus, He said, "All All of these kingdoms and the authority of them have been delivered to me. And I give them to whoever I choose. If you will bow down and worship me, all of this authority of all the kingdoms of the world will be given to you. I'll give it to you. People said, Well, he was lying. He wasn't lying. If he he had been lying, Jesus would have corrected him. But he didn't. What did Jesus say? Jesus didn't deny what he said. He just said, it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. He didn't take the bait, but he didn't correct the devil because what the devil said was true. When Adam sinned, he surrendered the authority on the earth to the devil and he had it until Jesus came glory to God then Jesus came and though he was eternal the eternal son of the father the eternal God the Bible says that he created everything that's created all things that exist came by him and yet he came here and the Bible says that he emptied himself He laid aside his divine power and glory. He he laid aside the resources that were rightfully his as God and became a man and, and, and walked with the limitations of man. All of the miracles that Jesus did, all of the wonderful things that he taught, all of the things that were accomplished in his ministry, none of those things were done because he was God. They didn't operate out of his deity, though he was deity. They operated out of his humanity. He was the son of God and he was God, but he was also fully a man. As a man, Jesus defeated the devil. Absolutely defeated him. Spoiled, the Bible says, principalities and powers. Made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. He did that as a man. Amen. So then he got that authority back. And that's what he's talking about right here. The earth part of this. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So it's his authority. Just like it was Adam's authority. It's Jesus' authority. And Adam, it was intended that Adam would pass that authority down and those who came from him, those who were of Adam, would operate in that same authority he had. But sin spoiled that. Jesus came back, glory to God, as the second man and the last Adam, the Bible says. And as the last Adam, he took that authority back and now everyone who is of him. See, you were in Adam. But when you were born again, you became in Christ. You were of him. Some people like to to trace their family tree. And I like to go back and talk about all the people you know, that have been in their past. I love those words in, the, in, 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 the, in, in 1 John, but you are of God. Amen. If you want ch- to tra- trace your family tree, that's the real tree you need to be tracing. You are of God. In the new birth, you became, you became one with the master. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. And the authority that Jesus took back he has given to redeemed men. Adam, it was intended that Adam would pass his authority down to his descendants. Satan took it and used it as a cruel taskmaster to subjugate and and dominate and, and in cruelty control and manipulate mankind. Jesus came back fearlessly glory to God went I mean took right right into the portals of hell and took that authority back and then he shared it with his redeemed men glory to God church men church people believers oh glory to God that's the authority he's talking about this authority being man's authority over the earth it is required that it be exercised by men on the earth. It's the authority God gave Adam over the earth. Jesus got it back and it's for men to operate and to exercise on earth. Men in heaven can't operate this authority in the earth. Only men here can operate it. When I say men, I'm talking about mankind, men and women, people. Only those who are authorized here can operate it here. Once a, a believer dies and goes to heaven, he no longer has authority here. Remember, God gave Adam authority in the earth. And that's where this authority operates, it operates here. So Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And everybody claps their hands and says, "Oh, isn't it wonderful that Jesus has all the authority in heaven and earth. And then Jesus turned around and went to heaven where he can't exercise the authority in the earth. Amen. Now remember, I said in a previous message that God does reserve certain degrees of authority because he's God but the authority God gave Adam that Satan stole that Jesus took back and then gave to us still belongs to men in the earth it has to be exercised here Jesus cannot exercise the authority on the earth from heaven, from the right hand of the Father. And some people don't understand that. They say, now, wait a minute. You're talking about Jesus. He's God. He can do anything he wants. God can't do anything he wants. The Bible says it's impossible for God to lie. There are certain things he can't do. He doesn't want to lie, but I'm just saying... There's, there are certain things God can't do. He can't lie. God cannot go against his word. The Bible says God is not a man that he should lie. He said, ha, ha, have I said it? Shall I not do it? Have I spoken? To ha- will I not make it good? God will honor his word. And God gave man authority in the earth And when man surrendered that authority to the devil, God didn't step in and take it back. Now, God still intervened in the earth. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. God still reserved the right to do certain things. You remember the Tower of Babel? Man was, was, was operating in a way contrary to God, and God came in and turned things around, didn't he? Anybody ever heard of the, a little incident called the flood? So we're not saying that God doesn't intervene in the affairs of man. We're, all I'm saying is the authority over the earth that God gave Adam, he honors that. That's right. And he honored it even when the devil took it back. I mean, when, when the devil took it from Adam, God honored that authority. And Satan was able to operate in it and dominate mankind and he still dominates people who don't know. But he doesn't doesn't dominate them from the same uh, uh, position of power and authority they had before. He he dominates them today through ignorance and unbelief because Jesus has thrown open the prison doors. Glory to God. Anybody can come out of darkness. And so God honors the authority given to man and Jesus is the ultimate man. See, so this is something we don't see sometimes. We think, well, Jesus was a man, he came here to the earth, then he went back to heaven, and, and now, you know, he's, he's just God. Listen, when he went back to heaven, he took back the glory that he had. Remember in, in, in the 17th chapter of John, he said, Father, glorify me with the glory which I had with you alongside you before the world was. So when Jesus went back to heaven, he he picked up his power and glory. But one thing we don't see is even though he did that, he still is a man. Yes, he's God, but he's also a man. He still has, he's still in a physical body. A resurrected physical body exactly like the body we will have when we are resurrected. Resurrected. Not any different at all. Same thing. Same physical body. He is a man and he will be for eternity. That elevates us. When you understand that, that Jesus humbled himself and became a man in order to bring man up to the place that God ordained for us. It was his plan all along. It's called the plan of redemption. He planned it long before Adam ever got tripped up. Amen. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Now this authority, like I said, is Jesus's. He got it. And then he goes to heaven where he can't use it. I'm talking about the earth part, authority on the earth. But just before he went... He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You therefore go. You therefore go and make disciples of all the nations. We looked at the word therefore. We found out that when you see the word therefore, you ought to find out what it's there for. And the word therefore means from that fact or reason, as a result of that, as a consequence, He said, all authority's been given to me in heaven and on earth. For that reason and for that fact, you go. Well, Jesus, if you have all the authority, why do you want me to go? Looks like you'd go. But you see, Jesus gave us his ministry. See, the great commission is the commission to carry on the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been called, the church has been called to carry on the very ministry of Jesus. That's a sobering thought. How far we have fallen beneath our privileges and beneath our place of of responsibility. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I send you. It says, as he is, so are we in this world. The church has been given the very ministry in the earth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's been given to the church. And he said in this passage, in, in this Version of the of the Great Commission. Remember, there's four places the Great Commission is found. It's found in, in Matthew 28, it's found in Mark 16, it's found in Luke 24, and it's found in, in Acts chapter 1. Each of those three places record, each one of those three places records what Jesus said about the commission and about sending us out. It's, all, it's on all four of those places. Now much of the church world just looks at Matthew. They don't. They don't. They particularly don't like Mark's version, because Matthew's version says Jesus said, "All authority is given to me. Therefore, you go and teach all nations, preach to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth." And and the church likes that. Traditional people like that. Everybody's interested in baptizing. Everybody's interested in going into all the world. But he said, teach them everything I've commanded you. And he, he elaborated a little more on that. And Mark picked up some more of what Jesus said on that day. Because Mark's gospel said, Mark Jesus said, according to Mark's gospel, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved and he who believes not will be damned. And these signs will follow the believing ones. In my name, they will cast out devils. See, the, the, the modern church, they don't like Mark's version. They don't like talk about that casting out devil stuff. And they don't like the next part either. They'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. We don't like any of that. Yeah. They'll take up serpents. You lost the rest of them then. If there was anybody in the traditional church hanging around, they will have headed for the door. They'll take up serpents. And if you drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. You will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The traditional church, the watered down, backslidden church, if it's saved at all, doesn't even believe these things. Come on. They don't believe these things, don't want to hear it. What Jesus was doing, remember we talked about the the conversation that Dr. E.W. Kenyon had with the attorney that was in his meeting. He was preaching along this line. This attorney interrupted him right in the middle of his message and said, sir, are you saying that Jesus gave us power of attorney to use his name? And Dr. Kenyon said, well, you're an attorney. I'm a layman. As far as the law is concerned, I'm a layman. You tell me, is that what he did? And this attorney said, he looked at his Bible and he said, if words mean anything, in essence, in, in modern terms, in modern legal terms, Jesus was giving the church power of attorney to use his name. That's exactly what he did. The authority that that Jesus took from the devil to operate on this earth has been delegated to the church. And just like it was originally Adam's authority, it's Jesus' authority and it has passed down to the descendants of Jesus, those who are of him. He has given us the authority that he took And he's told us how we operate it. We operate it in his name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What is the value of that power of attorney? Kenyon wrote this. He said, the measure of his ability... The measure of the ability of the Lord Jesus Christ is the measure of the value of that name. Because Kenyon asked that attorney that morning, he said, well, sir, tell me, what is the value of that power of attorney to use the name of Jesus? What's the value of that? He said, the value of the power of attorney depends on the, the, the value of the person behind it the name of the person behind it. If the person granting the power of attorney is a pauper, if he doesn't have anything, then his name doesn't mean much. But if the, if the man who grants the power of attorney, if he has great and vast resources, then the value of that pa- power of attorney is vast and it has great potential. Right. Right. Kenyon said, then... The measure of his ability is the measure of the value of that name. And all that is invested in that name belongs to us. For Jesus gave us the unqualified use of his name. Well, what is the measure of his ability? How how great is the, what is the value of the name of Jesus? Well, it depends on what is the value of Jesus. What does he have? What, what, What does it mean? What does his name mean? Go with me to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. Whew, glory. I'm telling you. My, 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 my. He said, I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, that you'll know this and understand this. He said, I, I want you to, to come to, to have the revelation, verse 19, of what is the exceeding greatness of his power. Toward us who believe. See, his his power toward us is exceedingly great. And it's toward every believer. It's not just for certain people. It's not just for certain, it's not just for preachers or for certain special ones. It's for all of those who believe on him. The power that is toward us who believe. What is the measure of that power? It's according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this age but in that which is to come and he put all things under his feet. Does that, does that ring a bell? Does that, Do you remember that? Psalms chapter eight, Hebrews chapter two. That's exactly what God said about man. I gave him dominion, and I put all things under his feet. Jesus took this back. All things have been un, put under his feet, and he has given to be, he has made him, God has made him the head over all things, for the benefit of the church. Yeah. Amen. For the benefit of the church. For your benefit. For your benefit. For you to use. For you to act on that. He's been made head of all things for Doug Brown's sake. So that Doug Brown, Doug Brown can do something with that. Now, I know Doug loves God and loves the Word, and he, and he should be agreeing, so I'm not, I'm not minimizing that. But just agreeing and, and being uh, exciting, uh, excited and acknowledging, that's not all God wants. He wants us to start acting on that. He wants us to start. He wants us. It, he, it's intended to change our life, change everything about today, everything about tomorrow, everything about our plans. That's why if you go through, we're not gonna do it this morning. If you go through the the, the New Testament, he he says, do all things in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is involved in salvation. The name of Jesus is involved in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The name of Jesus is involved in healing. The name of Jesus is involved in praise. The name of Jesus is involved in everything. He said, go everywhere. Everything you say and do, do do it in the name. Do it in the name. Do it in the name of Jesus. What does that mean? It means by his authority. When you say in the name of Jesus, that's what you're saying. Oh, hallelujah. That name is as powerful as the person. Philippians chapter two, turn over there. Philippians 2, God, verse verse number nine, therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. God, it says, has highly exalted him. The... Greek authority, I love Kenneth Wiest's uh, explanation of these words. He was a highly regarded Greek scholar. He said the words highly exalted are the translation of a Greek word which means to exalt to the highest rank and power, to raise to supreme majesty. It refers to a super eminent exaltation. Well, that sounds just like Hebrews. Isn't that right? Who bringing the the express image of his person. When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down, it says in Hebrews 1, at the right hand of the majesty on high. Ooh, a super eminent exaltation and a name that's above every name how awesome it is to be able to say, God, I ask for this in the name of Jesus. I'm asking in his name. Glory to God. To use that name in ministry when when you're opposing the works of darkness, And you say, in the name of Jesus. Oh, glory to God. This has to become more than just a form. For much of the church world, the name of Jesus is just a form. For much of the church world, they simply know that when they pray, whatever they're, and many times they pray things that they shouldn't even be praying, not even scriptural. Or things that Jesus has already done for them. But they'll pray to the Father and then they'll, on the end of it, in the name of Jesus. It's like, it's like the tag or it's like the closing clause to every prayer. It has to be more than that to us. Yes, we close every prayer in the name of Jesus, but if that's all it is, is a tag that we just thoughtlessly use it won't mean anything. It has to be more than just form. It has to be more has to be more than just habit. It has to be more than some kind of lucky charm. When we get really desperate, and we just really hoping something, we can make something work. We just say, "In the name of Jesus," and we and we say it real sternly. And, and it's almost like we think we have a rabbit's foot in our hand. And if I put in the name of Jesus on it, that will it has to mean more to us than that. In order to use that name, we have to have some revelation. It has to be alive on the inside of us. Now listen real carefully. You must come to the place And I've I've come to this place and I'm growing in it. You must come to the place where you cannot use the name of Jesus without the consciousness that you're getting ready to invoke the very authority of the Son of God. I've come to the place where I can hardly say those words in the name of Jesus. It's almost impossible now for me to say it casually or to say it without really thinking. I'm conscious every time I pray, every time I speak a word of authority, I'm becoming more and more conscious every time I say in the, I stop. And I realize that I am am getting ready to invoke the very authority of the son of God himself into my situation. And the church, you see, we've been given the indisputed, we've been given the absolute right to use that name. I have the right to use it. You have the right to use it. And like I said, I've, I'm coming to that place where I can barely Get those words even framed without stopping for a moment and realizing what I'm about to do. I'm about to call on the resources of the throne of God and, and bring them to bear through that name in this situation. And when I'm conscious of that, when that's alive on the inside of me, I know the situation is about to change. I know it. I know it. I know that that heaven, all of heaven comes to attention. Remember, Philippians, it said that at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow of beings in heaven, on earth and under the earth. I've come to realize that when I speak that name, oh, glory to God, that all of heaven comes to attention. And when I command something to happen in the name of Jesus, I know that Jesus takes personal responsibility for what I just said. And the Father treats my words in the name of Jesus as though Jesus himself said it. Therefore, I know that situation is going to change. I know it. There's not the slightest possibility on this earth. It's not going to happen. Oh, glory to God. See, when the church, when we come to to that place where our eyes are, are opened and we know what we have, oh, glory to God things are going to change. Things are going to change in our bodies. Things are going to change in our finances. Things are going to change in in reaching people. Things are going to change where our witness is concerned. Because if you look at the early church... I'm talking about the earliest days of the church on the day of Pentecost and the days right after that, the first few chapters. Let's say the first half of the book of Acts. Paul's epistles had not been written. He hadn't even written his epistles. The revelation of the mystery of Christ in us And we in him, the mystery of the body of Christ and and who we are to God and what God has done in redemption. The body of that truth was given through the apostle Paul. So revelation, the other apostles didn't have like he had. They had it in a measure, but not like he had it. His epistles had not been written. The, The earliest days of the church, they didn't understand what we understand. They didn't know what belonged to us. But they knew this. They knew that Jesus had given them the right to use that name. They relied on the name of Jesus. Everything they did, they did in the name of Jesus. Turn over to the third chapter of Acts. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The third chapter of Acts. Peter and John went together at the temple, to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, called Beautiful, to ask alms, begging for a handout from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for for alms. And Peter, fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. He was expecting a few coins, a little handout. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You see, Peter and and the rest of the apostles They had been with Jesus. And before Jesus ever went to heaven, when he was still here, remember he sent them out. And he said, go into the cities where I need to go. Go ahead of me. He said, go by twos and preach, cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead. Remember in Luke chapter 10, they returned to him and they said, Lord, even the demons are subject unto us. In your name, see the, the these early disciples, they and apostles, they didn't know everything about the Pauline revelation; hadn't been given yet, but they knew something about the name. They knew that Jesus's name would cause the sick to rise up and walk. They knew the name of Jesus would cause cause demoniacs to be delivered. They knew there was deliverance. They knew there was salvation. They knew there was healing. They knew there was everything. They, did. they knew it was in the name. It, all they had to do was say the name. Yes. The name would bring the power of God on the scene. They trusted that name. Yes, right. Peter said, silver and gold we do not have, but what we do have we will give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And not even waiting on the man. Not, on, not, not even waiting on some, something from the man. Took him by the right hand and pulled him up. Glory to God. You don't, you don't do that unless you have confidence in the name. You don't do that unless you know something's about you. You spoke that name. That man cannot but walk. He cannot but be delivered. That's what they knew. They acted, they acted with absolute abandon. Fearlessly. Fearlessly. Oh, glory to God. They knew there was a connection between the man and the name. They knew that the name represented the man, and the man was known by his name. They, they were called into question. This, of course, you know this man was healed and raised up. And in then in the, in the fourth chapter, they were, they were uh, persecuted because of it and brought under, you know, into the before the authorities. came to pass, chapter 4, verse 5, came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as the high priests and so forth, gathered together. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked them, by what power or by what name have you done this? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, rulers of the people, elders of Israel, There is, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I love this part. They said, by what power, by what name have you done, done this? He said, take note. I want everybody to be clear I want you all and all of Israel to be absolutely certain. Understand what I'm about to say. It's by the name of Jesus, this man stands here before you whole. By him, do you see that? Look at at verse nine and 10. Or verse 10. That by the name of Jesus, and then the latter part of that verse, by him. By the name of Jesus, by him. By the name of Jesus, by him. By the name of Jesus is by him. Jesus and his name are one and the same. Now we understand that Jesus is a a person and he has a name. His name is Jesus. But you understand that, that by evoking his name, you're bringing him on the scene. He said, we said said this in the name of Jesus and Jesus made this man rise and walk. Oh, glory to God. To this very day, the 13th day of May, 2018, the name of Jesus still brings Jesus on the scene. What do you need? What do you need? What, what, what situations in life are contrary to the will of God? What situations confront you? You know God's not in and it's not, and it's not right. What, what, what are those things? You have the absolute right and authority to take the name of Jesus and speak it over that situation. And and in full assurance and full consciousness that when you say it, heaven stands to its feet. And everything behind the throne of God, all of the power and resources and, and everything that's needed that heaven has is invested in that name. Oh, glory to God. And, you, and you, think, you think for one minute you can do that and believe that and, and things won't change in your life. I'm telling you, they'll change today. This day. This day. This day. You can change your life with the name of Jesus. You can do it in prayer, by praying, or you can do it by saying. Either way, you do it in the name. Jesus said, if you ask the Father anything in my name, in my name, he'll give it to you. Up until now, you've not asked, he said, anything in my name. Ask, ask. He's challenging you. Ask, in my name, he said. Oh, glory to God. Whatever situation in your life is not what it ought to be. Take the name of Jesus Go to God and say, Father, you've promised certain things to me. There are certain things that you've said about me and what belongs to me. I'm I'm asking in the name, by his authority, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ that this happen, Or else to things that that just shouldn't be there. Jesus said, you can speak to a mulberry tree if you believe it. And it'll be plucked up and cast into the ocean. He said, it'll obey you. You take the name of Jesus and you speak it over situations in your life. And, and listen, I'm not. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking. I don't mean to suggest that you don't know enough. That there's a deeper. In other words, there's more uh, degrees and more chapters in this and more uh, points. That's not what I'm saying. We need to come, and we're coming into a place where where we're finally laying hold of the simplicity of it. It's, It's a simple truth. It's a simple reality that if you ask the Father on the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and in his name, just that simple, he'll do it. He'll do it right then. Glory to God. If you say circumstance devil or whatever it is in the name of Jesus by the authority of the of the Lord Jesus himself you go it's a simple it's not it's not a deep thing it's a simple thing oh glory to god but it it has to be alive it has to be real oh hallelujah and and if it is i guarantee you You'll start doing it. You'll start seeing results. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Makes me glad. Makes me happy. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Look in prayer. Look for direction from the Holy Spirit where the use of that name is concerned. The Lord will talk to you. The Spirit of God will give direction to you in here about using that name. See, if you just... If you just run off kind of willy-nilly, you know, just speaking the name to the paint and the lights and, the, you know, just everything you see and bugs and you're, you know, out in your yard and everything, just speaking the name, you know. You, you're, you're not doing that by revelation. See, that's, that's what I was talking about. We get, we get caught up in a sort of a a sort of a, a, a spiritual bravado, you know, where we just start doing a bunch of stuff. The Holy Spirit in your prayer time will quicken things to you. And he'll bring things up to you and he'll prompt you. You know that situation? This is is the time to use the name. He'll prompt you. All of those stories Dad Hagin tells, every one one of them, he talks about how he he rose up and took authority over his son-in-law and those evil spirits that were were, uh, 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 running after him. But he said the Holy Spirit led him. The Holy Spirit said, take the name of Jesus and break the power of the devil. The Holy Spirit will talk to you about the needs in your life and the areas where things need to be changed. He'll talk to you about it. And he will prompt you or inspire you, however you want to say it. He'll show you. Now take the name of Jesus and break the power of the devil over that. Oh, glory to God. And when you act in faith, I'm telling you, things will change. Your head will almost spin at how quickly things will change. Because it's, it's, you know, you know, you know this is it. This is it. Glory to God. That thing cannot dominate you anymore. That habit can't control you anymore. That need cannot harass you anymore. That situation has to yield to the name of Jesus. Glory to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching.